Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Player 54 Podcast, a show focused solely on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host Michael Lathrop. Hello football fans. This is episode 106, News and Trey Watson Sr. This episode is brought to you by our friends at True Victory. If you are not perfect, if you have ever struggled, if you have ever failed, if you have ever been the underdog, if you have ever doubted yourself or been doubted by others, if you want to get better, be better, and make our world better, this is the perfect brand for you. Founded by U.S. military veterans, True Victory is a sportswear and streetwear brand dedicated to building everyday champions on and off the field. True Victory is not simply a company, they're a cause. Its purpose is to transform lives and elevate humanity through the power and unity of sports, positive stories, and serving others. They are dedicated to the game, the grind, and the globe. But most importantly, they are dedicated to you. If you want to strive for something better, while proudly showing others your determination, grit, and supporting people like yourself, check out the True Victory Shop by simply clicking on the link provided in the show's description and notes and enter the code PLAYER54 at checkout to receive 15% off your purchase. This week, we do have some XFL news to discuss. In addition, former Dallas Renegades and St. Louis Battlehawks linebacker Trey Watson Sr. joins the show to discuss his time in the XFL and more. But first, we have those developments to cover. So, let's get to it. On December 4th, Sports Business Journal media reporter John Orand reported NBC will not be a broadcast partner of the merged USFL-XFL League, citing NBC Sports broadcasting commitments and conflicts as the network's primary reasoning. On December 6th, the XFL Communications Department announced linebacker Imeke Igbul had signed a letter of intent with the St. Louis Battlehawks. On December 8th, the XFL Communications Department announced two additional players have signed letters of intent with the league's Arlington Renegades and Seattle Sea Dragons. On December 11th, Houston Roughnecks defensive coordinator Brian Stewart announced he has joined Middle Tennessee State's football program for the 2024 season as its new defensive coordinator and will also serve as the team's assistant head coach and safeties coach. Also on December 11th, the XFL Communications Department announced 11 additional players have signed letters of intent with three teams, Arlington Renegades, Houston Roughnecks, and St. Louis Battlehawks. As I had previously mentioned, we will now be joined by former Dallas Renegades and St. Louis Battlehawks linebacker Trey Watson Sr. to discuss his time in the XFL and more. Welcome, Trey. I appreciate you taking the time to come on to the show and discuss your time in the XFL with the Dallas Renegades and St. Louis Battlehawks. Yeah, man, no problem at all. Yeah, two different, uh, two different years, two different XFL journeys, and man, look, if I end up going back, it'll be a, under a completely new name now, as, as far as everything's going. So it's always unique, you know, playing in these non-NFL leagues. I, I should call them. I'm happy you said unique because the XFL itself has been a unique league brand, whatever you want to call it, that has spanned across decades and evolved along the way. 
you obviously were not part of the 2001 where it all started. And that was a whole different life of its own back then. But you were pretty young, right? You were born 96. Not, not, not to yeah. Yeah. So I would have, yeah, I would have been only about five years old. Luckily enough, my, my trainer, I think played in that version of the league as well as a couple, uh, you know, just older individuals I met over the course of my, of my time playing football, you know, whether it were coaches or, or whatever else. But yeah, it's it's you know it's pretty crazy to think that the history of the league spans all these years, and they've only completed what two successful seasons in that time, and have yet to kick off a second consecutive season. So, yeah, like you alluded to, we will have to see how this plays out here with this potential merger. But it it doesn't look like it's going to be the XFL. It looks like it's going to be some other form of FL. It seems to be once again that 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 streak will continue on, and whatever the brand of the XFL does, it just seems to be one year at a time. That's the most you can get if you get that. Well, right. But you know what the good thing is, if you could find any silver lining in any way, is that you are among what I would like to refer to as a fraternity of players who were able to play in two different iterations. There was a little bit of a lapse of time due to the pandemic and the bankruptcy, but that also allowed you to get two different experiences. Because in 2020, you had the opportunity to play for the then Dallas Renegades and legendary coach Stoops. Although it was brief, what can you tell us about your XFL 2.0 experience? You know, I think that was a pretty great experience. And especially given timing of everything, like, you know, I came out of college and I was in the the 2019 draft class, obviously wasn't able to stick that fall. And it just so happened that the XFL was coming right in the next year. So everything just lined up for me there, you know, ended up, you know, getting a home with Dallas and was was definitely enjoying my time. I think as players, you, you appreciate having that opportunity to continue to play because, Prior to the the year with the AAF, I mean, guys didn't. It was either you were in the NFL, you went up to Canada and tried to make a career out of that, or you were done. So to have that alternative at all was a blessing. And although it was only five weeks of games, we had a great time. You know, all you can do is be thankful for the opportunity. I obviously wished it would have continued. And definitely seems like things were going in the right direction. You know, for, for me personally, just each week, the situation was evolving, but, you know, it, you just have to, to go with what happens and, and really just figure yourself out. And when things canceled, that's that's what I ended up having to do, just go a different route. You went undrafted, you mentioned. You had a very brief stint with the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, it just didn't work out for you. And you, you mentioned how you were blessed to have the XFL right there. So you had some sort of a professional experience right going into a top tier league just front office the whole experience right anything that you dealt with coming into the xfl in 2020 obviously vince mcmahon took a a back seat and hired oliver luck and it looked just from us casuals fans whatever you want to call us from the from the distance it looked very professional can you kind of give us like a little bit of a you know an explanation as to how that felt compared to your time your brief stint with the Dolphins. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously the the NFL is a, a multi billion dollar organization that is 
run, runs as well as probably anything in the world. So, you know, you'll never be able to compare to that per se, but it, it was professional in, in really all aspects. The things that you expect to happen as a professional athlete, you know, from your, from your routine in terms of eating schedule, practice schedule, meetings, you know, the, the performance, the, the rehab, just getting taken care of travel um, was handled really well. You know, you were, we were in an environment that's very unique for, for sports with the, uh, the hub concept and practicing one place and then having to do things like that. We had training camp. The whole league was in one place. But everything was run and, and operated really efficiently. So from that perspective, like, you know, besides the fact that you weren't living at home, you were in some type of temporary hotel apartment type deal, you had everything you needed as a player, right, to have the opportunity to create some success for yourself. What could you tell us about Coach Stoops that probably we don't get from watching him on television from his time at Oklahoma or the two different stint series head with the XFL and pick up on his personality. What can you tell us about, you know, coach Stoops as a man? The biggest thing that I'd say that, that I gathered from coach Stoops was just how in tune he was with, with all aspects of his team. Obviously he didn't call plays on offense, defense, or even on special teams. But at some point in time, you'd see him sitting in on all the meetings You'd catch him coaching guys on all different aspects of ball, whether it was how to make this block, how to identify who it is you're, you know, you you have the protection on special teams, what gap you have, what what got what routes guys needed to run or adjust versus different coverages. So, you know, you have different types of head coaches. You have offensive head coaches, defensive head coaches, even special teams uh, or guys who have a special teams background. You could just tell that, you know, he had an extensive knowledge of the game from being around it for, you know, decades. And he, he did his best to share that with us. So from that perspective, it was it was appreciated. And that's what you want out of a coach, right? You don't want just a figurehead. You don't want just a motivator. You know, you, you get guys to buy in with, with head coaches like Coach Stoops. And it makes sense why he was so successful for so long. Do you have a particular, like a favorite memory? It could even be bad. You know, maybe it's not favorite. Maybe do you have a particular moment that sticks out from you in 2020? Ah, a singular moment. Um, you know, that's tough. It's not um, pandemic driven. Let, let, let's at least put give an asterisk because that because that could be the easiest one, right? Yeah, when yeah. I'm told not, I could, it was over. I could, you know? I could definitely, I could definitely tell the story of the of the ending for us. I think. That will stick with everyone because everyone will remember exactly where they were, what they were doing. And that that memory was particularly poignant for me. But in terms of just something else, I would say probably after we, we got the first win against L.A., you know, like what became really cool with within the XFL or it became like a little running thing with, you know, Bud Light Seltzer was a sponsor and they had those in the locker room. You, de- you generally don't see that in football. If guys are drinking after football games, it's more so like a, you know, unspoken rule or secret. You just do it. But, you know, guys are in there chugging, chugging seltzers and chugging beers and it's all on TV and stuff like that. We got the opportunity to do that after that game. And I'm not a beer guy, but I did one because I'd never shotgun something before. So that was a memory that, you know, we all got to share. It was a lot of fun. Obviously, anytime you win a game, it's a big deal. And in that version of the XFL, it was a really big deal because, almost half of your paycheck was tied to a win bonus. So you get a win, you felt a lot better about things. Yeah, money's a driving factor in life. 
but for guys that are still trying to get there, even more so than those that get the big paycheck. Exactly. You know, I get it. You know, you're going to really hone in on those moments because it's not just a victory that feels good. I mean, I'm a former athlete myself, but yeah, there's a little bit more motivation to that and financial driven. You know, mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't fault that. And especially somebody that's, you know, you weren't quite a family man at that point. I mean, and you are now, but you could probably appreciate that even more so now that as you're feeding more mouths. Yeah, no, 100%. Hey, at the end of the day, money money makes the world go round, right? Like it, it sounds nice to say you, you do things for free. And if you had the flexibility from having money already, maybe you would. But other than that, hey, we, we you gotta you gotta get the money first. So that's that's always part of it. And definitely can appreciate that now. So from 2020, and, and we'll move on here shortly to you know more current ball days, but for 2020, were there any teammates any particular coaches that you really built a special relationship with that kind of stick with you to this day yeah man i think i built a lot of relationships from from that short amount of time and i've kind of found that you know everywhere you go no really no matter how long you're in it as as a football player because you have guys going through such unique things together playing football is so hard to be honest that you just naturally a guy could be completely different than you away from football, but because you can relate through football, you end up being friends anyway. And we definitely did that. Like, you know, one of my roommates during that time period was TJ Scales, and we were really close then. We kind of understood each other more than most guys, I think, having really had the same experience coming from the Big Ten, having played against each other in college without actually knowing each other during that time period. But, you know, and you know of other guys who are playing well. And, like, we're still really good friends to this day. So, you know, there were some other guys like that. Um, Julian Allen, who was another teammate of mine, was also my roommate during training camp. Just hit it off, man. Like like I said, when you're – especially when you're in the spring football landscape and you're trying to either, you know, hold on to your career or, or resurrect it, having the opportunity to you know, have guys that you can connect with who are relating relatable to you, it just helps. It helps a lot during that time period because – you're really just trying to figure everything out. And some people are barely holding on. So to have guys relate directly to that uh, is pretty important. Yeah. I mean, it kind of, it adds to that, what I use that fraternity, right? You guys, it's not just unique experiences, but it's doing it together and kind of, it's still that, that final frontier for football, so to speak, right? The NFL is established. It's always going to be there. It's going to be, you know, heck the Canadian football league, which you've also had some experience you know, mm-hmm. border. that's a bit established. You know, they've had a hundred, you know, almost what, 110, 109, you know, great cups. I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's just as established as it gets. So, I mean, yeah. you know what that's like, but I mean, when you look at the American alternative or spring football landscape, this is kind of, it is that wild West kind of like you're in it. And yeah, I could see how that kind of brings people together in a very unique way because these leagues are here and gone, right? The AAF was, I think, seven games. You know, the 2020 in the XFL was five games, the pandemic. And that adds a layer to you guys, right? In, I mean, it's like trust is a big thing for anybody, right? You're trying to grind and still, you know, strive for the what it is that you have belief in obtaining that goal and in, in achieving that in life. And then along the way, though, that's some serious adversity, whether it's self 
inflicted or not, that's serious adversity. So that's why I kind of like to use that term. This is a special fraternity, you know, of players, because it, those are experiences that most people can't really share. It's one thing getting cut. It's one thing coming into a camp or two and then bouncing around and a couple practices, but this is pretty unique. And that's why I use that. So without bringing up the, the pandemic too much, I just, I know that a lot of players were still waiting for some of that bankruptcy protection benefits to kick in. Has that ever been settled for you guys? Or is that something that's still out there? You, you guys are still kind of holding the bag waiting for. Yeah. Yeah. There is a, um, a, like a class action suit still ongoing. Actually, a couple weeks ago, I believe, Oliver Luck got paid his full amount that he was due. And I believe his case was separate from everyone else's, but all of the coaches and players are lumped together in the same class. So, you know, hopefully him getting paid, I think he was owed more than all of us combined. Yeah, hopefully him getting paid means that, hey, you know, we're we're coming down the pipeline. You know, obviously when, when you got millions of dollars, you can you can afford to wait, but hey, you know when you're when you're only making a couple, and we made what less than half of what we were scheduled to make. Being able to get recapture any of it a couple of years later, obviously, would would help a lot of guys. So, you know, hopefully, we get some news on that soon. We probably go eight to ten months without hearing anything on it. So we shall see. That is to be continued. Well, my apologies if I'm opening up old wounds. That that wasn't oh, my intention. Good. I just know, man, three years still waiting. That's, you know, I, I understand lawsuits take time, but it, it's kind of crazy because the bankruptcy, they were able to get past that. And, you know, Dwayne, Danny and Redbird Capital were to come in and buy whatever assets, that, you know, as far as the, you know, the name, the logos and all that stuff. So they own those rights. You would think that things would be a little bit further along, but, you know, I'm sorry to hear that you guys are still still waiting for that. That's unfortunate. No, um, it's all good. part of it get it it's an it's a sad reality of alternative football here in the united states because you know people in the aaf were going through a similar thing and it's, it's just unfortunate so hopefully this pending merger and i say pending because they just have to finalize these final steps because it's over the federal review process so once this gets done hopefully this solidifies it for whatever better or worse right um mm-hmm. however that looks you know there's a lot to be determined but We'll move on. You know, this past season, you were a member of the Iconic, and I use Iconic because when you think of it here in the United States, the St. Louis Battlehawks, you know, really are a brand, and they really do have a following. And I know it's a big part of what happened with the Rams in St. Louis with the people there, and they just want their football, and they want to prove that they're going to support it, and they do support it. I, I do understand it. But, I mean, to be a part of that XFL Iconic brand now, and first-time head coach Anthony Becht. You know, from a fan perspective, there are obvious differences from 2020 and 2023. You know, mainly the hub in Arlington, Texas. But what unique differences were there really between, from a player perspective, from 2020 to 2023 XFL? I mean, obviously, there's the hub concept. That would be the biggest difference just because you're having to travel every week for home and away games. That's not something guys are used to right at, at any level of football. You don't normally have to travel to home games. So getting getting used to that and the the practice and all that stuff, that all of that really works itself out because it's it's no different than being in a hotel 
in St. Louis or whatever, you know, all the other team cities, you were going to be doing the same thing on a day-to-day basis. But, I mean, other than that, I'd say, you know, you had to get just get adjusted to a new format of just little things, how how the league wanted to operate. You have to adjust to, to new coaching staffs and new people more than anything. But as far as, like, the day-to-day, like I said, outside of the travel, it was really all the same. It's still football practice. It's still meeting, you know, all day and night. It's it's still taking care of your body. The 2023 version, they made sure they had adequate resources as well, having having gyms and and you know places that you could do your rehab and stuff, whether it was at the practice field or or in the hotels where the teams were. So both versions took took care of guys, you know, as much as you'd expect them to to be able to, given you know, they're, they're spring football league. They're, they aren't the NFL. They aren't the multi-million dollar division one schools. So it's not that they're always going to have everything, but they both had enough. And like I said, they, you know, they, they made sure guys were able to get it done. You also did spend time up north of the border with, you know, the Montreal Alouettes and was it the Edmonton Elks, I believe. Mm-hmm. You have some professional experiences there. I mean, does the, does the XFL, really stack up or is it still obviously it's it's very evident that it's in its infancy no it does uh canada is extremely unique you know for for the individuals who aren't well versed with it as old as that that league is and and as you know deeply grounded as a lot of those teams are every team is very very different in terms of the money that they put into to running their organization and and the resources that each of them have. You know, even from just my two experiences, Montreal and Edmonton were very different places in terms of what they had available to players on a daily basis. You know, whether it was just from meeting room spaces to to the the weight room and what their training room looked like, what what they could accommodate on a player to player basis. Uh and from from other guys that I got to speak with that played all across Canada it sounds like just every team is very different. Um, your experience in Edmonton is going to be different than your experience in Saskatchewan. Hamilton is going to be a different experience than Ottawa. Beyond the fact that all those are very different regions of Canada, and then you have Montreal that speaks French. So that's a whole nother challenge there. But it's not like the XFL was behind in 2020 or 2023. They knew the minimums that they had to reach to, like I said, accommodate professional football players. And they they weren't they weren't behind them in in any way or, or form. I asked it only because I think sometimes Americans we have this idea that hey we're the best right for what for, for whatever reason call it arrogance call it just you know pure high confidence whatever we want to call it. but I think sometimes we need just the reality is like you know the Canadian league is pretty established but it, it is kind of a barometer if you're going to be in this space you know because you're competing for the same level talent of players you're gonna one's gonna have slightly better players or not or coaches right the nfl is always gonna be king heck college football and we see it heck jimbo fisher just had a heck of a even though he got terminated he's not gonna be lacking any money for a long time heck he get it yeah, so you know when you look at it like they're always gonna be in that same space you know one way or another it doesn't matter if it's different countries, doesn't matter if it's a different brand of ball, three down brawl, bigger field, whatever. It just either way, they're just in the same space. So it's always going to be one of those things. I'm just kind of curious, you know, to help learn for other people. It's just okay. Let's be real. 
they're going to compete and there's going to be some things that'd be like, okay, is it on par? Because if it's not, that's going to be something that might be factored in. Obviously it's at home here in the United States and that's always going to be in the XFL or obviously USFL's favorite, however this plays out moving forward. And people just want to complete, you know, feet here near home and not necessarily be Canada's not super foreign, but it's foreign enough, you know, because it is a different country. So, I mean, kind of getting back more XFL focus here, Coach Beck being a first-year head coach, you know, just seeing him. I, I've had the pleasure of meeting him at the first Florida showcase in the lead-up to 2023 season and to interview him. And he's a personality. And then I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, like, he's just very personable, uh, you know, able to have a conversation. He comes across as a player's coach. Is, mm-hmm. is that who he is or is there, or is there more there to it? I definitely say he's more than just a player's coach, but I think anytime you get guys who have been former players, especially for as long as he was, he's come across every coaching style in the book, right? And the biggest thing that, you know, guys take from previous coaches they had is what type of coach they would or wouldn't want to be based on their experience. And, I mean, you could tell. He, he came in, he he understood the value of his job, and the biggest thing was, he couldn't stop talking about how much he wanted that job. Um, he wanted that team. He wanted to be in this league. He wanted to help guys get an opportunity. And I'd say all of his actions followed that statement. Um, and that's that's what you can ask as a coach, right? Like, there's never going to be a coach that you're going to 100% love everything they say or do. That's part of being a coach. You have to say things that guys don't want to hear but need to hear. You have to do things that are in the best interest of players when they might not realize it yet. So I think he, he did a great job. And yeah, I mean, like I said, his personality, he's, he's going to tell, he's going to tell the truth. He he definitely has a, a unique energy about him and, and a presence. And I think it, it really resonated with the, the league uh, and, and specifically St. Louis. And that's why it works so well. You guys were in that stronghold of a division, if you will, the North mm-hmm. division. I thought, just to be, you know, transparent with you, I thought it was going to be the Vipers that was going to run away with it. And man, was I wrong. I just thought that, you know, when you look at how many veterans they had coming in, and, you know, I even thought Luis Perez being a veteran of these spring alternatives, I'm like, I thought that was going to be something. But, you know, not all rookie head coaches get their house in order right. We're coached back to Pier 2, because, I mean, you guys were competitive. I mean, unfortunately, not to make the playoffs at seven and three. What was that division like? I mean, it's one thing to watch it and see how you guys battled. I mean, it just, that must've been as a player, the competition must've just been like, all right, yes, this is what we want. Now it's like, it's one thing you want to be out there competing for your job, but it must to be in it. And in in a battle, almost every game felt like it truly mattered in that division. And, uh, you know, I'm just curious what that felt like. Yeah, I think that, that's great. And I think that epitomized, you know, what the goal of spring football is, right? It's it's to give guys who, they have the talent to be NFL football players, but it's just, you know, for one small reason or another, whether it was the timing of where they ended up, an injury here or an injury there, or being, you know, lacking one one particular component of the skills that needed to get there. But the, the biggest thing was, like, like you said, that the talent was evident. The competition was top-notch, particularly in our division. And, like, the biggest thing – well, another thing about Spring League is you're building teams from scratch. Um, and that's 
that can be something that's extremely hard to do. Like you said, on paper, a team can can appear great and appear to have elite talent. Well, you know, the unfortunate thing is with spring football, sometimes guys are a year or two plus removed from playing. They might have been in the perfect shape before that, and you don't know how they're going to come up this time. You know, guys could just be a little bit older or guys could not really be in into it as much as they were maybe a few years back. So you just never know. Um, but one thing we found that even Vegas, as the season winded down, they started playing harder and harder. And, and you know, they finished strong against us, at least not not in that uh, game where we needed them to beat Seattle. But Seattle was a really strong team. You could tell how much talent they had on both sides of the ball. They were deep as well. Really similar. They were They were basically the exact same team as us in terms of deep, talented, the the twos who would get in the game played just as well as the ones. They had a, obviously a skilled quarterback, a lot of weapons. So did we, you know what I mean? So it was a tight division. It was it was a lot of fun to play in, and that's you know that's what was evident uh, from from the outside looking in too. How much of a heartbreaker was it missing the playoffs? Seven and three, you know your team goes out and just wallops the Guardians. You know puts puts up a massive total on them. I think the added piece for the fans, and I don't know if it was as clear to you guys, is what the tiebreakers were going into that final game. I mean, so can you kind of walk us through what that was as far as the teams? I know, I you know, I know you only played eight games on the year and stuff, but I mean, still from a, a team standpoint, it still probably is like, oh man, gotta be nervous. Yeah, I mean, it was it was weird. Obviously, you know, not having really full clarity on how the tiebreaker thing worked. And then also, at the same time, going into Week 10, we understood that Arlington, who had a losing record, who we had beaten pretty handily earlier in the season, was was locked in their playoff spot behind a Houston team who we had also beaten. So it was just frustrating in general to understand that, you know, that was the way things wound up. And with one one against the Thing was, you know, my wedding, so I didn't even get to be there for that one. And I, I, in particular, to you know, potentially just doing my part and and not allowing that to happen. And then the Orlando game, you know, we basically said, okay, we have to score as many points as we can and not give up very many. Well, they pulled out every trick play in the book, and you know, they got some good plays. They they made some things happen earlier on. It, it didn't end up mattering that we we beat them handily at the end because we gave up some points, and then Seattle went out and, and demolished uh, Vegas anyway. But the whole situation was confusing, and at the end of the day, it's frustrating, right? When you when you go 7-3, and three and we really felt like in both DC games, we, we gave them a lot, a lot of free ones. We, we basically spotted them a 14-point lead the first time, and then the second one, we, we gave them 14 points off of two runs where guys just blew their gap, you know, not really making them earn it. Uh, and both those games still came down to the wire. So when when we kind of just looked at it from a, a, a holistic perspective, it's extremely frustrating to end up in that position, right? You don't get to compete for a championship. You don't get the opportunity to make even more money, which the reality of it is when you're in these spring leagues, uh, you know, every dollar really counts because you don't know if you're going to get an NFL opportunity. You don't know if you're going to be back the next XFL season or if there w- will be an XFL season, ironically. So it's like, you got to, you know, you got to make money while you can. Uh, so missing out on all of that hurts basically in every way you could think of, right? Yeah, you know, I look at it because I was going to eventually bring up the fact of 
you know, missing out on the chance to make more money. That's huge chance to get more film because, you know, more plays, more film that, you know, that's everything that you guys are all just trying to achieve to make a living, trying to just make sure, Hey, I need whatever highlights. I need just more proof that I'm deserving of the next opportunity to get back at the national football. So I could see that being frustrating on a, on a number of levels that I kind of went in that last day and there's a bunch of people we were, you know, a bunch of podcast hosts were all just talking, like trying to sort out what the tiebreakers were. And I mean, it wasn't as clear. I mean, we were all digging and digging and just, I don't think we had it right going into the last game. Anyway, we were still learning because we were hearing things even up to halftime uh, on the broadcast Mm -hmm. and the broadcast didn't have it. They were still figuring it. So, I mean, it was like, okay, it was just very odd. So it had to be very frustrating from a player's point of view, because I thought it was frustrating being on, well, this medium or media aspect and even watching the broadcast and they didn't quite have it. I'm like, that's gotta be frustrating for them. You know, everyone talking back in the, in the, you know, in the trailer, in the production booth and everything, trying to make sure they have the right information. Cause that, I mean, that kind of adds to a level of professionalism or the lack thereof as well. Yeah. That's something that you certainly want to be more clear. Right. And at the end of the day, for things to get to that point in the first season of a spring league, obviously I think that that'd be the last thing you're expecting. So I'll give, I'll give the, you know, the league the benefit of the doubt from that perspective. But yeah, I mean, at some point, especially once you, once you see that the, that the, the situation isn't really be, being clear, it's not being cleared up by anybody, uh, you know, just put something out there. Say, Hey, this, this is what the situation is. We realize that this is the point we're at in this season. They could have done that, probably could have made things a little bit easier for everybody earlier on and not, you know, have the media scrambling, trying to formulate it, the team trying to formulate it, coaches out here, you know, not really having the answers their team needs. Because at the end of the day, like, all right, we need to know what's out there, what we're competing for. Not that not that we can go out and lay an egg in a game either way, but, I mean, you, you deserve to know that's part of the job. So from that perspective – you know, there's that. But at the end of the day, we, we also know if, if we would have just beat Seattle the second time at home, none of that would have mattered anyway, right? So there's a competitor in you that says, hey, you know, we didn't play our part when we needed to to not have this be an issue. Right. And and I know there's people that fans, people that always in discussion boards are always going to bring up, well, you just got to win when you have to win. And But it yeah. would be nice to know when it's completely on the line how it has to play out and not be like, oh, we're just going to go play try to win and hope for the best. I mean, no, but I, I understand exactly what you You're right. At the end of the day, everyone owns their own destiny. They just got to take care of business when it matters. Right. Yeah. And no, I, I agree with you 100% though. So we're in this awkward space. 2023 season. It's over. Okay. You guys didn't make the postseason. things play out a couple months after the season. We learn that there's, you know, two sides are talking about the possibility. And then the league comes out and they admit, you know, and the, and the USO also admit, Hey, we do have the intent to merge. And then we have to wait through for a review, the review process. Okay. But during this, I mean, I, I noticed back on October 16th, you posted on X formerly known as Twitter that you were officially a free agent again, not to dive into this. So if this is something you don't feel comfortable with, I, I completely understand. So do not let me drag you into something you don't want to talk about. I mean, was this just a matter of your contract which just had expired? I mean, did they just release you? I mean, I, no. Um, and, and you're, I mean, you're you're hitting on a subject, and I'll I'll kind of just get 
straight to it. I have no problem discussing it. I actually represent myself and have for the last about two and a half years. So, you know, these are these are conversations you have to have, right? Whether it's with teams, with GM, whoever. And, you know, as far as me getting released, yeah, I, I just, I was told that basically with the, with the situation pending the way it was, that the XFL teams were expecting to have to get down to, I believe it was like, 60 or 70 man rosters, which is more so what the, actually it was 60, what the, um, the USFL brings into camp. They didn't bring as many guys into camp the past couple of years because the merger was expecting to happen. So, you know, I was told, Hey, you know, we're going to, we're going to bring the new guys in. And, you know, if, Hey, if we end up, you know, thinking that you're a better fit after we see them play, then we'll call you back and, you know, you get another opportunity down the line. So, Everyone, for the most part, the standard contract with the XFL anyway was last season and then an option to bring you back this season with the rights staying with your team first. So, I mean, it's not that it was anything in particular. It was really just saying, hey, we're not going to renew the deal for the following year. So not that it was anything personal there, but that's what they were anticipating. And the XFL, like two months before that, had said that they were upping rosters to 90 to accommodate the draft and the the players coming out of the college, players who get cut from the NFL this fall. That just happened. So, obviously, they were on two different pages prior to everything occurring. And then I assume that my team, along with all the rest of them, were scrambling, trying to figure out what they're going to do. Only problem that I have with the entire thing is that even since the merger stuff has, has been announced, They've continued to operate as if business is normal when they know that odds are potentially up to half of these teams from both leagues are no longer going to exist. So you got guys signing contracts or or even just the letters of intent. I just feel like that's not operating business in good faith, right? Because you're over here negotiating as if there's going to be a, a training camp slot for me when this team might not exist. And yeah, will will that mean that guys probably get put put into some draft pool and then they go to they get to go to one of the other teams? Sure, but that's not the same thing. So, from my perspective, business is business, right? Like players get cut. I've been cut multiple times. It's part of it. That's how you end up playing spring football to begin with, and it eventually happens to almost everybody. So that from that perspective, it's it's all right. But it's this whole other thing that they've got going on that. They could have operated both leagues individually and as a collective when when they decide to merge, you know, at least briefly discussed, hey, how are we going to operate moving forward with if this merger does go through, if for some reason it doesn't, and how are we going to handle, you know, negotiating incoming players, outgoing players, uh, because guys deserve to actually, you know, just be, be treated fairly in this whole thing because if guys end up signing a contract and then you end up back out on the street after you thought you had an opportunity for three, four, six months, that's really messed up in my opinion. It just looks from the distance, right? That's it's where I'm at. I'll call it the cheap seats, whatever you want to call it, right? From a fan perspective, it just doesn't, it doesn't add up. You don't have to really go into this conversation if you don't want to, you know, I, I kind of see them like, well, the USFL is signing players. They were signing, they keep talking about business as usual, signing contracts, signing contracts, you know, announcing, announcing. Even after they announced the, the review process over the next day, and since then, USFL teams are still signing players. Where the XFL yep. is just sitting on a letter of intent. 
and and I'm not looking for you to shed any light here. I I can feel the frustration of players because I've spoken to plenty of them that either thought they were going to have workouts, they, those get canceled. They go they go through these showcases and they hit, start having workouts, you know, set up in September and stuff. Those get pulled back, you know, and, and then you see a player like you that had an option and that doesn't get offered but they're going to keep the roster spot for someone that's essentially going to be on a letter of intent because technically it's not a contract. They're not locked into it. But on the other side, the other teams are locking players into these contracts. So to me, that's got to be frustrating. And I'm not, you don't have to tell me. I'm just, I'm just saying it because I know a lot of players are frustrated and I feel for you, man. I really do. And because this is your career, this is your livelihood. This is you know, your passion, your dream, everything you work so hard for it. And, you know, if you want, I can just put the words in your mouth for you be like, yeah, I mean, it, it, you're in a tough spot, but it's just, man, I, I feel for you. And I, I hope it gets rectified soon because the sooner they do that, the sooner you guys can start to get back to normal. Yeah, I kind of said it already, but the simplest thing they could have done is just say, hey, this is the set of rules we're going to go by in this uncertain period of time. And even you can date it back to last year with the USFL. I saw a lot of guys, guys who I knew personally, who got signed in the offseason and were subsequently released before training camp ever even started. And, like, that's just bad business, right? Like, that's that's not a way to operate unless there's a guy gets arrested, a guy, you know, retires from football. You don't just hey, I'm going to sign someone's contract and then I'm going to essentially terminate that contract before anything has even transpired during that time period. And it seems like that's what's happening now and will end up being the case just in another workaround way because they'll say, okay, well, we merged, so now we can't honor your deal. We can't honor your letter of intent. We changed the roster size, whatever, whatever. And that's just not how you'd want to operate a business. That's not how you'd want to treat people who are the reason you have a business in the first place uh, because that's your talent pool. And yes, there will always be more. Other guys aren't going to turn down a job because they did 10, 15, 20 guys dirty, you know, throughout this whole thing, or even, even it's probably way more guys than that, but it's frustrating. Um, Unfortunately, as a player, there's nothing you can do. You know, we sat here and watched Fox say, you know, how committed they were to the USFL and how things were growing and how happy they were with it. We saw, you know, the rock and Danny and Redbird capital sit there and say they were committed to X amount of years of growing the XFL. And then as soon as one year, one year ends and you finish what you say was a successful year. The next thing we hear from you is talking about merging. Um, None of that adds up. And I understand that as business men and women, you have to do what's in the best interest of business, you know, but that doesn't mean that it it really helps people out. uh, Unfortunately, at the end of the day, more people are going to lose from this situation than win in the end. Even if that means that, you know, the owners and Fox make a couple more million dollars from the from the merged league. A lot of folks are going to be sitting at home jobless or, or, or moving on from football altogether earlier than they expected to. Do you think the difference between the USFL having a players union and the XFL ultimately deciding to vote against the players union. Do you think that's a difference between the USFL side still signing contracts and the XFL doing letter of intents? Uh, I don't think so. 
I can't say that I know for sure. Um, unfortunately, the, the reality of the XFL Players Association was that whole situation was botched from an organizational perspective. And it just, I don't know, like guys were being misled. Things were popping up at the last minute. And it was almost, there was almost some some form of fear tactics being used by the league, unfortunately. And, you know, when you have these spring leagues, a lot of guys like I was in 2020 are less than a year out of college, 21, 22 years old, don't know what the heck a union does. And the first thing that is told to them is that, oh, well, unions take fees out of your checks, so you make less money to have them. And I think that's, that's a big part of why the, the union didn't go through at all to begin with. Would that have changed anything? Who knows? I, I can't really say here or there. Having someone to represent you and do it properly, obviously there's a place for it because that's why unions exist and that's why they're as effective as they are in so many industries and getting laborers what they deserve. But, I mean, the contract thing is is really just both leagues decided independently they're going to pretend to operate business as usual. They don't really lose any costs, right? Like, they're probably paying their GM and, and the rest of their team staffs normally. No, nothing's really different for them. But at the end of the day, they're also not paying out cash to these players, right? There's no bonuses. There's no guarantees. So, what, it's a win-win for them. Either they get to keep these players and see what they can do, or they don't have spot for them in the new league, and they basically tell them, hey, you can join the draft pool or your contract's over with. So that's just how they operate business, unfortunately. Well, that definitely took longer. I did not mean to do this. It really wasn't even on my list other than just you know <laughs> where you were at. And I'm like, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, I kind of feel bad because I'm like, yeah, I really didn't even intend to get into this. So my, my apologies, Trey. I didn't. No, it's all good. But it's just so intriguing. And it's just like, I know there's a lot of questions out there. I mean, obviously, your guys is in, uh, you know, media bands. So that's kind of why I asked. Just we'll start to wrap this up because, you know, I, I want to get you back to your family. So you're kind of in this place, right? You're a free agent and you got to do what's best for you. I mean, are you communicating with NFL teams as far as practice squads? Are you communicating back north of the border with CFL teams? Have you opened up maybe your discussions with more teams and more leagues at this point? Yeah. When you're in this position, and particularly when, you know, you represent yourself, uh, you got you to do the legwork and you have to figure all that out. You know, I'm, I'm, I had wrist surgery after this past XFL season, so I've been rehabbing that and and some other things. But. It's the same thing when decided to to stop playing in the CFL and come back down and try this XFL out. Um, you have to, you know, contact everyone. You have to do do whatever you can, reach out and figure things out. With the way the USFL and XFL are are in this this waiting period, I don't really know if it's in my best interest, right, to be out here negotiating contracts that may or may not be there. I mean, I you know, theoretically, could I do it with one of the teams that's projected to stay, the bigger name teams, maybe. Who's to say they're interested? That's that's one component of that. There's always CFL, right? Like, I have experience there. I can go back there. So I've spoken to people in, in various leagues and just putting it out there that I'm available and, you know, I'm open to seeing what, what we can do to further my career, right? Like, when you're in this football space and, and do, following this career path, you have to be as flexible as can be. Um, unfortunately, sometimes that's at the expense of, you know, your sanity, being able to make money you'd be able to make if you just stopped playing and did another job. 
you know, you can't really commit to anything because you have to, you know, make sure that you're available to play when it's time to play and, and, and ready to do so. So that's what I'm doing right now. Um, I'm just staying ready, uh, doing doing everything I can to put myself in a position to where if there is an opportunity, no matter what league call comes calling, um, I'm ready to go when they do. How is your wrist doing? Doing great. You know, played the whole season, figured out halfway through that, I, I had torn a ligament in there, so you know, glad to know that I I figured it out and, and figured out what was going on and got it fixed. You know, I'm playing these games on it and not even understanding what what is the problem. So glad we got that checked out. Shout out to the league and taking care of the insurance and workers' comp and all that stuff because hey, you know that's that can be a problem for a lot of people. So feeling healthy and, and feeling feeling ready to go for for whenever there is another another phone call. Well, you're also a father now, just the one child, first time father. Yeah, so I, I yeah, I, so I have I have a two year old. He just turned two, and and my wife and I have another one on the way. So, yeah, got a, got a lot of a lot of other things that are priorities, and, and have to you know put put your family first above above everything else you got going on. I didn't realize he was two, so my apologies. I, I for some reason I thought you were around the one. One year mark. So that's my apology. That's not that's poor research on my my interest. Oh no, it's okay. <laughs> you know, he he just he just turned to the week before Thanksgiving, so it just happened. I'm a foster father, so obviously my life's changed that way. But I mean, I I can only imagine. I mean, and you're trying to juggle this and bounce around, and it's not like you're making the big contract that's worth moving halfway around the country for. You're just trying to to still provide, and you know, I, I think that's where I love this space, the, these type of leagues so much more because it's people that are still hungry, still determined, but at the same time, this means so much more, you know what I'm saying? Everything you're doing. And I know it sounds like I'm stuttering, but I mean, I just, when I think about you guys, I mean, I can't help but just take a moment and also just kind of pause. It's, it's one of those things that it's very commendable. I mean, to be doing what you're doing while trying to provide for a family. It, so you obviously had to have an amazing partner to allow you to do this. So, you know, kudos to you and, and your significant other for going through it together. Cause it, it's not an easy path. Like, I can't imagine. No, without a doubt. Uh, and I appreciate it. You know, I, I don't think individuals really understand what, what guys have to do, right? Like you, you have to train like a guy in the NFL, you have to eat like one, you have to, to sleep like one, recover like one, but you also have to, you know, work a day job, 99% of the time you have to take care of your, you know, your family and your expenses. If you're in Canada, you have to pay for rent there and potentially a, a house that you have at home in the States. So there's definitely a certain level of added pressure and anxiety that comes with this. And, and yeah, a lot of that, if you do have family falls on them, like, you know, my wife has been extremely supportive and helpful and we've, we've been all over the world at this point, at least all over North America, uh, doing this football thing. So, if you're, you know, if you're single, then, you know, maybe that gives you a little more flexibility than, than someone with a family. But if you have a family, they've all got to be on board. And, and anyone who's who's helping you do it, they're a special group of people. That's that's for sure. Well, God bless you and your wife. You know, Trey, it really has been a pleasure. I appreciate taking the time to come on the show and just discuss your time in the XFL, whether it was with the Dallas Renegades, St. Louis Battlehawks. I mean, it just everything surrounding. It. I mean, we got in a little bit more than I, I intended to, so my apologies there. I know things are currently unknown, and 
I wish you nothing but the best of health and luck as you work through and determine what it is that you're going to do next. So if you're blessed and latch on to another team, kudos. And if it ends up being with this XFL or whatever this FL ends up being, you definitely have an open invitation to come on back and just share with us how those new experiences are going. Hopefully there will be positive. That's much appreciated. Uh, you know, I'm all the way down to, to share the experiences, share the journey. It, it's, it's, you know, it, it, I'm fortunate enough to have been able to do it this long. I mean, there's, there's guys who 2020, that was it for them. There's guys who tried Canada. That was it for them. There's guys who tried to bounce back to this version of the XFL or the USFL. And, you know, maybe didn't make it, maybe only lasted a couple of weeks or, or a year. So, you know, I'm five years removed from from playing in college. And I'm fortunate enough to say that, you know, I was I was still able to get paid to play NFL or not. There's only so many people in the world who get to do that. So I'm, I'm thankful for that part each and every day. Yeah, it's just awesome. But before I let you go, if you don't mind taking a moment just to let our listeners know where they can find you on social media. You mentioned you're a podcast host or have a couple podcasts. So why don't you go ahead and just plug your social media channels and uh, your your shows so people can tune into uh, what you got going on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm on I'm on Twitter. It's MDQUE underscore 33. I'm also on Instagram at Trey underscore Watson 33. And yeah, so, you know, right now in the off season, I've been dabbling in podcasting. My My former teammate, Ike. And I, we run the uh, Testudos and Touchdowns. It's the Maryland football podcast under the Beyond the Big Ten umbrella. We actually just released a um, college football playoff reaction mega show with James White, you know, three-time what Super Bowl champ with the with the uh, New England Patriots, uh, Sojourn Shelton and Warren Herring. So we're doing a lot of fun, exciting stuff over there, talking turfs, talking Big Ten football, and just college football in general. Really enjoy that. I'm also on the Tuesday edition of the Pack a Day podcast, you know, talking about everything Green Bay Packers. Uh, my little brother is Christian Watson, number nine. The guy, it's every, everyone either hates to love or loves to hate him right now. But um, yeah, so I, I'm enjoying doing that. Uh, you know, I think talking football, talking sports in general is something I really enjoy. So, you know, maybe there's a future in that space for me just just outside of football altogether. So that's where you can catch me at. And, and, if, and if you feel free to tune in. Uh, I have a good time doing those things. I will definitely be tuning in. I, I don't can't say tonight, but I'm going to have to check them out. I look forward to it. So thank you, Trey. And uh, again, best of health and luck. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I am grateful that Trey was able to accommodate my scheduling limitations and sharing his XFL experience with us during an uncertain time for him and his career. Trey is a seasoned professional, and I am certain he will secure another contract for the 2024 season. We wish him the best of health and luck on the road to recovery and on continued contract discussions. Unfortunately, we do not have any fan line messages this week. If you have an XFL-related comment, question, or hot take and would like it to be heard on the show, reach out to the fan line by calling 863-TALK-XFL or 863-825-5935. Doing so, your message could be included in an upcoming episode. All good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Player 54 Podcast. As always, I am interested in receiving your feedback. So do not be a stranger. 
reach out to let me know your thoughts. And if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, do not forget to subscribe and rate the show on your platform or choice. One last thing. If you are interested in checking out our friends over at True Victory, do not forget to click on the link in the show's description and notes, as well as that sweet code, PLAYER54, for 15% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in. Till next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning into today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Player 54 Podcast on your platform of choice. You can follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Player 54 Podcast. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to player54podcast at gmail.com.